from the dark web to your radio dial. You are listening to CyberTalk Radio on News 1200 WOAI. Welcome to CyberTalk Radio. I'm your host, Brett Pyatt, a 20-year internet security veteran. And we're talking uh, today about the Cybersecurity Center at St. Philip's College. If you're going to be able to stick with us here uh, on the air on 1200 WAI, thank you very much for listening as you uh, drive around in your vehicle. If you will be uh, hopping out of your vehicle, you can continue to listen to the program live on the iHeart Radio streaming app on your Android or iOS device, uh, or also from your computer in a web browser as well. Uh, if you uh, are not going to be able to stick with the program in full today, uh, this rebroadcast will go up on our website at www.cybertalkradio.com on Tuesday, May 28th, and it will also be out there on all of your favorite podcasting services. Uh, if uh, You can also catch all of our past programs where we've uh, had some folks on from St. Phillips before, and we'll talk a little bit about that today here, but I'm joined by two guests. I'm going to let them go ahead and introduce themselves. And So, Carolyn, uh, how did you uh, end up at St. Phillips? Well, I've been in um, teaching and education for over a decade. Education is my second career. I used to work for the Department of Defense and Pentagon, working in cybersecurity, network admin. Um, and from there, I fell into teaching K-12. And I taught with different districts, starting different programs for engineering and cybersecurity and IT. There's a need for cybersecurity and IT within the K-12 development. Oh, for sure. Especially the need in cybersecurity professionals. Yes. Um, from there, I made a partnership with SPC, doing dual credit. And then from there adjunct faculty and now full-time faculty there that's awesome it's been great it's a great path and i mean i think this is one of the things you'll you'll see at at a place like st phillips you'll have many of the professors there will have both education and uh, operational experience yes yeah so uh edith go ahead and uh, share a little bit about your background how did you end up in uh, st phillips as opposed to Caroline, I did not come from an education background, but I did come straight from the workforce. I have over 20 years of experience in IT. And once I had the opportunity to do less travel, I decided to stick around in San Antonio and found St. Phillips College with an opportunity to give back and teach those skills that are very high in demand, high paying. I started out with a lot of the network administration for the students. I have been at St. Phillips College almost 20 years. So it, it's... So while well, you didn't start with an education background, you have one now. I, I, yes, I do. <laughs> the experience is there. Yes, yes. definitely. So uh, for, for those that are hearing about St. Phillips College for the first time, uh, you're part of the... So for those that haven't heard of St. Phillips before, you're part of the Alamo Colleges District. And so how does that whole Alamo Colleges system work? Currently, we are made up of five individual schools. Uh, I believe everybody knows San Antonio College. Yeah, they've heard of that one, or most folks have. Northwest Vista College. We have Palo Alto College. And, of course, our newest sister school, which is Northeast Lakeview. Um, That's going to be a brand-new campus. In regards to all five colleges, we work together to promote programs. We align most of our educational tracks so that students are able to take courses from multiple campuses. Since we're a center of academic excellence, we also work closely with, um, for example, SAC, and making sure that our students are able to take courses at different locations while they're trying to go through that track. But and so as being part of Alamo Colleges as well, uh, all of the classes here are all GI Bill eligible. They are all yes. G- all our programs are GI eligible. We do have a lot of great support for veterans, and we have students who are on scholarship. And within our program, ourselves, we have a program called the a Student Engagement Grant that we offer our students. 
so they're able to go ahead and work on special projects while pursuing that degree. Yeah, so I, I love when I'm talking with the universities, especially ones where uh, you guys have solved a lot of the affordability challenges for folks. I like to get that out in the uh, upfront so that people are like, okay, I can actually afford this, so now let me listen to all the cool things that I could learn while I'm here. Oh. Uh, so the, the two of you... Uh, teach in some different areas and some different tracks. So, um, Caroline, do you want to talk a little bit about kind of the, the area of the, the programs that you're teaching and, and working on with the, with the students? Yes. Um, so I teach on the cybersecurity track. So the courses that we have there, our students are learning about Linux, Windows operating systems, um, servers, networks, and then cybersecurity forensics. My main focus and my love has been forensics. That's something I used to do in my spare time and also with my previous employment. So with that stated, we have a student organization called the Cyber Tigers, and I'm the faculty advisor for that. And so our students get hands-on experience in the classroom, but as well as outside through these programs. Our students participate in competitions as well. Um, within the course, we're always working on soft skills development, making presentations, hands-on projects. Our students also um, provide cyber awareness throughout the community there locally on campus. And then our students also volunteer her in the class they also go around the community during conferences to promote cyber awareness to K-12 and the rest of the community. Yeah, that's great. So for, for folks, when I think when they hear the word forensics, they think CSI, they've seen an episode on TV. <laughs> so what's the kind of difference between like that type of forensics and, and, and the cyber forensics, computer stuff? So when you think of cybersecurity, it's all about information security. It's the main thing. It's what's going across the Internet, what's going across your network. At the same time, what is on your system, what's being compromised. So what we teach our students is how to use different types of software and hardware. And their students actually use something called virtual machines. So they make their own sandboxes and they're actually using industry software, the education version of it, obviously, and they're able to test out what they need to find on the system. At the same time, they're learning how to read the data in the background, the cookies, as you say, the crumbs that you're trying to find. So go ahead and find out how, how was that computer compromised? When it comes to the network, how did they get in? How did they penetrate the system? Yeah, so very much the the same thing. You're just investigating a, a digital trail of breadcrumbs mm -hmm. instead of a physical evidence and trail of breadcrumbs. Mm -hmm. uh, and and as they they go through there, so for for some of the frequent listeners to our program, they probably heard about Cyber Patriot, um, which is a high school team sport for cybersecurity. Uh, that's one as well if, for parents out there listening or kids. If if you do find that stuff fun. Cyber Patriot has an aspect of that in it as well, where you'll get packet captures and you have to try to figure out what happens. That's part of one of the things you would do during a Cyber Patriot match. So, um, and this continues on out into the workforce. This stuff is important, which is why it's being taught in school. It's not just something that you will go do for Cyber Patriot only. Um, even if you're not investigating a hacking attack, sometimes computing systems just don't talk to each other anymore like they should. Somebody made a patch or an update on one side, now it's causing problems on the other system. So the cyber forensics you're learning can also help you debug uh, just changes inside of a software system that somebody made on purpose. So software development is very important um, when it thinks of cybersecurity. So a lot more programs, even ourselves, when we're teaching our courses, we also talk to even our web and mobile app development students about how they need to make sure when they're writing their program, they need to consider that those footprints that are put in there. Yeah. And with the Cyber Patriot, we actually are part of, um, or we have St. Phillips College, early college high school students that we had mentored and coached for Cyber Patriot. But within the community, we also mentor other schools. I've had the luxury and opportunity to go ahead and mentor other campuses who are interested in Cyber Patriot and helping those coaches develop a program and get market the, to their students. 
And then in the summer, I, we have um, a Miss Cypher camp that takes place that we promote um, K-12 for girls only for working on computer programming, cybersecurity. This year working with drones. Yeah. So w- when is that camp coming up? It's in July. It's okay. um, for three weeks. It's in the middle of July, July 12th through the 25th, I believe. And, and if folks wanted to find out more about the camp, is it full already? No, there's still, we still have openings. They can still apply if they just go to St. Phillips College Youth um, Education Programs. And in May, we have um, MESA. I mean, June, we have the MESA program. And in July, we have the Miss Cipher. Yeah, so uh, after the you listen to this, you'll see up on our Facebook and Twitter page at CyberTalk Radio, we'll put links up to that if you uh, are out there in a parent and you were looking for a, a camp for your kids or if you were a kid then share the link with your your mom and dad because as a minor you're going to have to have them enroll you but could be a fun three weeks down there at st phillips learning uh, all sorts of good things so uh Ida, so business information solutions so how is that different than cybersecurity? how is it the same because for many of our listeners like all of this it stuff is all it's just like the only thing they see is is like Mr. Robot or whatever on TV and like there's just one job and if like I'm not the hacker kind of person like then there's no roles for me in technology. And we I want to one of the things we work on with this program is trying to break that stereotype. And that is correct. As today as in part of today's world, everyone has to be cybersecurity awareness or have cybersecurity awareness. It's not just the professionals that are going to be taking care of us. We have to be able to take care of our own Uh, So in our case, for the Business Information Solutions Department, we have a lot of business programs that include accounting. We have office systems technology, office management. We have bookkeeping. And within those programs, we always integrate the awareness of cybersecurity. Students that are graduating from St. Phillips College with a business program degree or AAS or certificate will be able to know a minimum the minor things that we need to do to take care of ourselves, password management, antivirus software, uh, sharing of information, how the information can be stored safely. Those are the minor things that everyone should know within the business professional environment. And we also uh, do promote outside of our department with other programs such as automotive, culinary that St. Phillips has by allowing the Cyber Tigers student-led group that will be able to promote these um, management skills for cybersecurity awareness on their own, too. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it, and it matters everywhere these days as you're talking about the accounting thing. Uh, how many? I wonder how many accounting students these days have ever seen a physical ledger pad. Probably zero. <laughs> yeah. No, it's just like I'm thinking back through some of the stuff. And like as a, a, a kid, when I was in school, they made us like play with a slide rule. I'll say play with one because like it's really less efficient. It feels like to me than even just doing it on paper from a math perspective. But yeah, I mean, the counting used to be ledger pads and slide rules and not anymore. I mean, technology is everywhere. And the bad guys out there, if you're doing accounting, the bad guys are after money most of the time. Um, So as an accounting person, you have to understand those cybersecurity controls um, and checks and balances inside of a system so that as you're working on the system or helping design the workflow that runs with the system, that you can set it up in a way that's going to be safe for the business that you're, you're working for. Um, and sadly enough, in a lot of cases out there, you're going to go in with skills that the company you're working for, you might be new, a new hire even, and you're going to, the soft skills piece, Caroline, that you were mentioning is important because you might come in and the first thing you're going to do is facepalm and go, oh my goodness, I can't believe they're doing these things this way. And you've got to figure out a 
good way to communicate that because the business likely when they hire somebody with cybersecurity, real skills and knowledge out of a program like this for the first time gets to learn lots of things that they didn't know and they weren't doing anything wrong. They were trying to keep everything safe. Um, no one on purpose is like, I'm going to make all of my accounting processes just vulnerable to hackers. No one sets out that way to design their processes, but it's one now where if you aren't thoughtfully designing those processes, you'll end up with a problem because the, the bad news is on for the defenders is the attackers only have to find one flaw, and then they'll just pick on that flaw across every different company that has that same flaw. Um, and on the, the defensive side of stuff, we have to think about all the different types of attacks that the the attackers can come up with and figure out ways to mitigate or defend against them. And I, this is one where I, like, I'm like uh, super thankful that you're both involved in Cyber Patriot and that kind of program is growing. As the, so for parents listening out there, Cyber Patriot's not going to teach your kids to be hackers. It's going to teach them to defend against them. So you're, uh, we use the terms blue team and red team. So the blue team's the defensive side. And, and the Cyber Patriot, you're defending against a synthetic red team hacking program that's been set up by the, the Cyber Patriot administrative team. Uh, and so they're learning to defend against all these different types of things out there um, with the core industry technology that they'll be able to work in and get a job uh working on. So I'm going to uh, circle back here real quick. So Carolyn, you mentioned that on St. Philip's College, there's also St. Philip's Early College High School. So for just a, a couple of questions on this, and either of you could answer. Um, so like, so how do you have high school students? Are they on your campus? Is St. Philip's Early College High School actually on a different campus? And then uh, a second one is, what the heck is an early college high school? Because I think there's many listeners out there that haven't really heard about one yet. So early college high school is ninth through 12th grade students. They're on, in our case, they're on campus with the full-fledged college students. So they pretty much blend in with the full-fledged college students and they integrate themselves as far as in the courses. They're right by a student who's either a VA student or turning to college student, a first time in college student. They're sitting right by them learning the same type of material at the same caliber of work. And these students are also concurrently taking high school courses as well. So they're both a full-time college student or part-time college student and a full-time high school student at the same time. So as, as they finish up their four years in high school, they'll have some number of actual college credits. Not So like when I went to school, we couldn't go take college classes, but we could take advanced placement classes, then take an AP test, and then depending on which college you talk to and what score you got, they might or might not take your AP test. What's as, really as, well, as a matter of fact, uh, not only are they going to finish off with just a handful of credits, Last week on May 10th, we had a graduating class that included several early college high schools. These high school seniors received their AA, AS, or AAS degree or certificates. Most of them are carrying over 34 to 60 hours of credits behind them. They haven't even graduated high school. Their high school graduation, I think, is coming up here in June. That's funny. So prior so that, to graduating but, high school, they're actually coming out with a high school degree. I'm sure in the, the, the business process of your your, your the uh, university, this is the, the, they've never awarded probably before this an associate's degree to someone without a high school diploma. This like as this kind of program comes into place, I'm just thinking about the the order of events here because uh, one of the things that you should need to do in order to be a, a college student is have a high school diploma, whether you graduated in four years or went and got a GED later. Either of those is fine to get in and start taking courses at uh, uh, St. Phillips or the other Alamo uh, colleges. Uh, but now here you have folks that are getting an Associates of Arts. Um, that's the AA Associates of Science or Associates of Applied Science, the AAS, uh, for 
I'm always trying to get the acronyms out there to to our folks in the audience. And in addition to that, schools who do, uh, who are not partnered up with our students attending a college like Balamanta College, um, San Antonio College, or St. Philip's College, what happens is the students can also participate in dual credit. So where you have a faculty member who has the right background, they can become an adjunct faculty member. And that's how I started with St. Philip's College as an adjunct. So I had students going through and obtain an occupational skills award. So in addition to getting their high school diploma, they also had that piece of a certificate to help them get into the workforce. And a lot of the students continued on to St. Philip's College for their AAS. And now we even have a couple come back and mentor. Yeah. So you're listening to 1200 WAI. This is Cyber Talk Radio, and we're talking about the cybersecurity uh, center and uh, cybersecurity-related programs at St. Philip's College. Uh, if you're uh, going to be able to stick with us, we'll be uh, talking about this through a bottom-of-the-hour break coming up here uh, for news, traffic, and weather in a little bit. If you, you uh, will be hopping out of your car or turning off your iHeart streaming, uh, you can uh, listen to this program in full and all of our, our past episodes of CyberTalk Radio on our website at www.cybertalkradio.com uh, or out there on any of your favorite podcasting uh, applications. If you're a student listening and uh, you want to start your own podcasting service, uh, we always mention that if there's a podcasting service where you cannot find our program, we are happy to uh, fix that. If you reach out to us on Facebook or Twitter at CyberTalk Radio, let us know, uh, and we will give a, a T-shirt to you. Even if you discover a podcasting service out there where we're not listed, you don't actually have to start your own one, but I think we've, we've found most of them at this point. So, uh, But always looking, uh, and this is that kind of cyber forensics, cyber hunting, looking around out there on the Internet. Can you find a podcasting service that does not have CyberTalk Radio? If you do, we will, we will mail you a T-shirt in the size of your choice. So... Uh, we were talking a little bit about the the early college program and, and that um, the early college high school and the dual credit uh, piece. Uh, so as the, the students are going through this, uh, what sort of things are you seeing? Because either of you have taught, I guess, some of these students. Because uh, I think parents out there are like, my, my kid that's at age 14 or 15 isn't ready to take a college class. What are you seeing from these students? I want I think I want to debunk this. They will yeah. surprise you. The I what I like about the early college high school students or dual credit students when I was teaching at the Harlandale High School was that they come with a different mindset of thinking. At the same time they're constantly on technology, they're growing up with technology. They see technology differently. And so having in the college side that early college high school next to that full-fledged college student full-time college student, it brings a different aspect to the background. So it changes the dynamics. And to me, it mimics what you're going to see in the workforce. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's terrific. Yeah, and no, it's a, a great piece of experience there as well because as a, a growing up in K through 12, you're generally only working with kids right around exactly your age through middle school. And then in high school, maybe you're a freshman taking a class with a junior a little bit, but you're never – working with someone 10 years older than you unless it's your teacher mm -hmm. uh, and in the workforce out there you're immediately regardless of whatever industry you're going to go work in there's going to be somebody at the company you're working for that is 10 years older than you probably somebody 20 years older than you and they're going to treat you like an adult um, if you're used to acting like an adult around them but if you still act like a, a kid then you're going to end up getting treated like a kid at the workplace and it's not going to work out well for both you as the the young employee or for the employer um, neither way that works well. So I, I love the, that interaction. So they get over the, the, that first year of learning to interact with adults as an adult, um, out there in the workforce, it solves that during school. And also what I also notice is students 
who are working within the program, they tend to do better with their studies because now they see themselves in a different light. They, they have a goal, they have a mindset of what they're trying to attain. And because of that, we've seen an improvement in grades and as well as participation in school. Hence, a leadership quality comes up on them. And in regards to just being able to work with the college students, we also offer a lot of experience for these students, high school students that are working in our programs to be able to interact with our current workforce. We have several events on campus that encourage the San Antonio cyber community to come in and visit with our students. At least once a year, we try and hold a big conference, academic conference, so that students are able to see what's needed in the workforce along with the workforce being able to see what our students are currently currently doing in the classroom. This allows them both to mix. So it gives them that part of leadership that's needed in regards to getting prepared to ask for a job or, or do an interview for a job. Uh, the community involvement with our students is essential for them to go ahead and get that first foot in the door for them. And uh, after we, we go through the bottom of the hour break, I'll ask a little bit about what the heck a, a DHS and NSA Center of Excellence is. We'll save that for after the break because that conversation can go on um, for uh, quite a while. And, and as well as talking um, it's about some more of the specific classes and certifications. So if you're going to stick with us through the break, you can learn about uh, yeah what the heck NSA Center of Excellence is at a, a university or college. And then uh, what some of the specific courses and certifications uh, that – y'all are teaching out there at St. Philip. So, but, but before that, so, well, then there's one more that, um, I'm excited about and we've had Ashlyn on the program uh, as well. So she's the program coordinator for the cyber P tech high school, which is a, another new program, um, coming in. This, this is a chance for, for kids to go to high school. I'm going to call it high school for a second for up to six years, but you would graduate with that associate's degree and your high school diploma at the end of the time. And, and many of the, the kids going through that program, it sounds like as well, will finish in four or five years, a hundred percent paid for, uh, just as all of your high school tuition is out there. So like no one pays to go to a public high school. You wouldn't have to pay to go all the way through that associate's degree as part of that cyber P-TECH program. If you wanted to hear uh, about that, that one's up in our archives as well. If you uh, look for P-T-E-C-H in our archives or uh, look up Sam Houston Cyber P-TECH, um, you can find some stuff out there on their website as well. Uh, and so are, are either of you involved with that program? I have been working a lot with Ashlyn Barrientes at St. Houston High School, and we have structured the curriculum and assisted them in making sure that what they're going to be offering their high school students are going to meet the expectations of our cybersecurity workforce. So our designations, along with our faculty and their faculty, are working together to ensure that the materials are what needs to be presented to these students for uh, at the high school level the same that we are actually including with our current early college high school students. Yeah, and for, for parents out there if you're listening, if you have middle school-aged children now, as your um, kids head into high school uh, with both the, the in-district charter programs like we're talking about right now, the Cyber P-Tech, and with the, some of the private charters, there's all sorts of educational opportunities uh, now uh, for your kids to go into areas where they have an interest um, and all of this stuff is tuition included. So like there's no extra money cost for you 
to go to the Cyber P Tech High School over just your regular neighborhood school. So um, you can check a ton of this stuff out on the SAISD website, um, and you or whichever school district. And the interesting one is you don't even have to be inside your own school district boundaries anymore. So like if you have if you live in Northside, you could go to an SAISD in district charter program. You could go if you live in SAISD, you could go to a Northside one. Uh, so it's it's vice versa. Um, if you're going to a school outside of your district borders, uh, you may need to coordinate some transport with other parents. Uh, but inside the district borders, even if you lived all the way on the west side of, of San Antonio ISD uh, and, and you had a, a son or daughter that was going to go to the Cyber P-Tech program on the far east side of SAISD, the, the school district will provide transportation for that the same way they do if, if your son or daughter was going to the, the neighborhood school program. So we're uh, going to head here into a, a quick bottom of the hour break for a news traffic and weather update. If you're listening to us on 1200 WAI, if you are listening to us via our website at www.cybertalkradio.com or your favorite podcasting service, uh, there will not be a break. It'll just uh, cut in and cut out of a little bit of bumper music. And then we'll be uh, right back with our guests, Edith Orozco and Caroline Mora, who are professors at uh, St. Philip's College, uh, teaching cybersecurity and uh, business and all sorts of uh, technology-related things to uh, the next generation of our workforce. Welcome back to CyberTalk Radio. I'm your host, Brett Pyatt, a 20-year internet security veteran, and we're talking about the Cybersecurity Center and other programs at St. Philip's College this week. I'm joined by uh, two of the professors. If you uh, just turned your radio on right now after that news traffic and weather update, uh, you can listen to the first half of our program on your favorite podcasting service. It'll go up on our website on Tuesday, May 28th. Uh, if, uh, you can also listen to our, our past programs. We've had uh, another uh, member of the St. Philip's College team uh, on CyberTalk Radio. We had Tom Sahin uh, on back episode 49. So if you're on our website searching for that or on your podcasting service, you can uh, hear a, a good overview of uh, St. Philip's College and uh, how uh, things work in the Alamo College District. And this half of the program uh, here with my guest today, we're going to dive into uh, some of the specifics uh, around uh, what kind of certifications do you learn? What the heck is an NSA uh, center of excellence? And uh, uh, so Stick with us here in the air. If you, you uh, want to transition out of your car, uh, you can use the iHeart streaming app on your Android or iOS device or through the uh, web browser on your computer if you go to iHeartRadio.com uh, to continue listening. So with this uh, Department of Homeland Security and NSA, the National Security Agency, Certified Center of Excellence in Cybersecurity, what, what does that mean for your students and, and why go through this kind of process? We have been fortunate enough to be redesignated twice already by Department of Homeland Security and National Security Agency as a National Center of Academic Excellence in Cyber Defense. And we're about to go into our third uh, recertification for this program. What that means for our students and our faculty is we are being able to provide the latest technology information that is needed for uh, our nation's cybersecurity. We have had two presidents that fortunate enough, we were fortunate enough to acknowledge that cybersecurity is a great threat to our nation. And with that, NSA takes care of creating the knowledge skills that are needed for our workforce, and we make them available to our students. Yeah. Uh, so this is uh, important in a, in a few different aspects. So uh, 
from as I think about this. So one is uh, because of that designation, uh, you get access to the curriculum and and additional programs, but it also brings in additional money for students. So like Project Quest here, um, we've had folks from that on the program as well. You can go back, check our archives out and learn more about Quest, but that's a way for uh, Bear County residents um, and high school graduates to go through and get additional money to get training and education in, um, at St. Phillips uh, or other Project Quest eligible programs. So what they'll do is they'll pay for their afford full two-year program. So we have students who maybe are coming in, they already have um, some industry certifications and they're wanting to obtain an AS and they're wanting to change careers as an example. They can connect with Project Quest and get their full tuition covered and that's including their books as well. Yeah. And with um, DHCS, the Center of Excellence in Cybersecurity, the program allows us to also participate in communications. We just did this one this past month, um, the governor's competition as well. And that was provided to um, information from them. Yeah. And then uh, we were talking during that bottom of the hour break. Uh, you've got a program coming up uh, because of that designation again to uh, help uh, our senior citizens out there here in the Bear County area learn uh, a little bit about cybersecurity themselves as well. We were going through some of the unfortunate scenarios of these text message attacks. By the way, um, if you're listening right now, your bank is not going to send you a text message alert um, that they don't anymore. Like they just, it, it, they were for a while. Some banks were doing that for your credit cards to te text us yes or no, is this okay? Um, and they might still do a yes or no reply on a text, but they will not ask you to click on a link in a text. So if you're get a text message and they're asking you to click on a link, that's fraudulent. And there's all sorts of things uh, more that you would learn if you do this um, cybersecurity senior awareness program uh, that you, you're going to be able to put together. Yes, we wanna, we're going to be hosting this in the fall of 2019, and it's going to be free of charge to anybody 55 and over. And all they need to do is just come on in. It'll be a couple of weeks long, and they're going to be learning about password um, protection, the right type of password encryption, how to update your system, how to look for flaws in your system, and then how just to keep your cell phone safe as well. Some people don't know about different ways to two-factor authentication as an example. Yeah. And they're gonna be taught this in a level that they can understand. No, that's great. Yeah, I mean, another one that I, I always tell folks, if your cell phone is in your pocket or you pull it out of your purse and it's warm, chances are it's doing something it shouldn't be doing. It might just be some application has gone rogue on your phone and there's some regular software bug, or it could be that, somebody's figured out how to get into your phone and they're using your computing resources. The reason why your phone is warming up uh, likely is because the CPU or the, the GPU, that the graphics processing chip, which is just another way to do math quickly on the phone, is cranking away, doing something on behalf of uh, generally somebody, a, a bad person out there. Most legitimate software bugs um, don't get stuck in what we would call like an infinite loop anymore uh, where that stuff is going to be warming your phone up. But um, so as you're browsing around on the internet, um, exit your browser tabs when you're done, even on your cell phone, because there's the ability for these folks these days to serve up um, just through JavaScript, which is a way that your web browser can do dynamic code. Um, it They can serve up and, and do bad things on your mobile device as well. So it's not immune just because it's a cell phone. And this program will also be led not just by our faculty, but also our students who are currently in the program. So they're going to be able to go ahead and practice their soft skills, as we mentioned earlier. And they're also going to go ahead and provide that awareness. 
one-on-one training. Yeah, no, that's a great. That's the the best way to learn is to to once you start trying to teach it, you find every little gap you in your knowledge where you're like, I thought I understood this until I started to teach it to somebody else. So uh, I love that that you're getting the students out there doing that. So looking through our, our show notes as well, so I see another program, Cyber First Responders. What is this one? <clears throat> Cyber First Responders. When you think of it, think of uh, our nation's natural emergency responders. Uh, you have EMTs, you have fire, you have uh, state, police, all these individuals that are coming in and taking care of that disaster. Well, the cyber first responders is in the case of a disaster, something gone wrong with an organization that involves cybersecurity. Uh, there is a small certificate that we do offer that allows you to prepare to become a cyber first responders. And we're actually also currently working with NSA to create this as a uh, national, uh, it, it is already a nationally recognized certification, but to create an actual support center here in San Antonio as well. Yeah, no, it's a, it's an interesting one. So I've been having conversations with folks on, on this topic. And uh, so if you, we go back a hundred years or so in history, the things, one of the things that really helped America um, build a, a great economy was the safety provided in cities by the fire department and the police department. And um, eventually we got through to where you got 911 services as phone became more prevalent and you could pick up a phone, you could dial 911 and you get a first responder to solve a physical security issue or a fire related issue. Now, as we moved in this digital era um, and anyone listening from City Hall over there in San Antonio, I know you've got cyber investigative teams inside of the police department today and, it's, and you're doing a good job on the investigative side, but there isn't really, there's like kind of cyber detectives, but there's not cyber first responders. So like if you pick up the phone and dial 911 right now and say, hey, I'm a business here in San Antonio and I've been hacked. No one shows up to stop the hackers right now. And, and there's not a city in the U.S. doing this. So I think there's a real opportunity for this kind of next generation of business for municipalities to come out there and actually, I don't know if you're going to do a separate department, the cyber department, or if this becomes part of the police, people in public policy can figure that out. But some city is going to offer a the ability to pick up and dial 911 in that city and be able to get assistance, whether it's they come in and just shut off your systems to stop the attackers, whether they actually come in and clean up or what the the level of service is there. But I think this is a huge opportunity um, because uh, cyber attacks aren't just something where a big financial institution is getting hacked anymore. I mean, this is all the way down to skimming devices on gas stations. And like these, we see it on the news here all the time. This is one, if you go to a gas station and you're going to use your credit card, grab the little credit card reader first and make sure it doesn't pull off and it's loose. The skimming folks are getting a little more sophisticated. So even now, they you, you might try that and it, and it still may actually have a skimmer on there that copies your credit card number. Um, but those gas stations, if you're a small independent gas station owner, like how do you solve this? You, you, you struggle with it because you don't have a cybersecurity person on staff and it's it's challenging. So like it, it just puts these businesses at risk. And so I love that you guys have the cyber first responder program. And um, yeah, anyone listening out there from from City Hall or the police or fire department, let's figure out how to, San Antonio can be the first city with cyber first responders available over 911. So on these uh, as well now, uh, through your program, you get some industry certifications. So you're going to get an, a degree, which uh, is important um, as well that uh, employers are looking these days um, you would think with our tight labor market and everything else that it, it could be if I've got a degree I don't need a certification or if I have a certification I don't need a degree 
generally still, I think it's beneficial to have some of both. So what is this, how does this work inside of, of your two-year degree programs? So our students who are going through our program, we always emphasize on career training, but we also emphasize on industry certifications. You just don't know what the employer is going to exactly want once you graduate. At the same time, those industry certifications on top of your degree emphasize your talent. So what we have our students do is every single course that we offer do tailor towards a certification within that course. But in addition to that, the student organization called SPC Cyber Tigers, we have little mini boot camps. So students, once they're done with the course and they're really ready, they can go through a little mini boot camp. We do one different one every semester. In addition, we also have a lab. Our students can actually get more hands-on practice, and they can also sit down with the test prep program to practice the environment of testing. A, a big um, hiccup I know students go through who go through the certification test is they don't know how the test is given. Yeah. So we get them ready for that as well in addition to the class. Oh, that's great. Yeah, because I know each of those uh – test um, attempts is depending on the certification can be pretty expensive i know there's some that that i took back in the day that were yeah i mean the cissp uh was i think it was five or six hundred dollars to sit for that exam uh i don't know what it costs these days i took it almost 20 years ago might still be that much might be more and going back in preparation for the certification when i i took my first certification exam it took me five tries five tries to actually go in complete successfully simply because I had no formal training. I had on-the-job experience training. Yeah. But those certification exams just are a different ball game as far as having to understand the testing, how it's actually going to be answered, the more correct versus all choices being correct. So being able to not only use your hands-on, have the formalized training, and on top of that, do some preparation exam testing, it really does help our students. Our students are coming out with Security Plus pass on their first try. So that's yeah. very helpful. Uh, that's, that's great stuff. Yeah, and I mean, this is it's one just like you were saying, teaching the things. The certification test, you can have hands-on experience. And this is one where I'll, I'll hear from prospective employees or people out there. They're like, I have 10 years experience doing this. I don't need a certification to prove that I know what I'm doing. You don't. Like, you know how to do a whole bunch of things, but you may still have some of those gaps in there, just like little areas where you didn't know specific sets of pieces. The foundation's got kind of what I'll call it cracks in it, and that certification test lets employers know, um, and it also lets you know, do you have a complete set of knowledge across a specific area, or are there there's spots you're missing? Um, because even if you're not going to use some of those in a daily basis in a work environment, Having the understanding of how a certain piece works is going to be important, um, especially if you get into a cyber forensics role or a security analyst role in a lot of these. The more little pieces you understand, uh, the better you're going to be able to do at these. And with certifications, they're not lifetime anymore, so they're having to re change them every three years. It provides an opportunity for your students to stay current with what's going on. With technology, we know things change on a daily basis. Yeah. And because of that, these certifications are ways for them to, ch to promote and prove that they still have what it takes to work. Yeah, I, I joke with, with some of the kids that I go out and when I talk to high school students or college students these days that I was uh, an RHCE in Red Hat 7, um, not Red Hat Enterprise Linux 7. Red Hat 7. So this was, uh, they, they went all the way through. This goes back um, almost 20 years ago now. Uh, and and uh, 
gosh, maybe it actually, yeah, it's, it's 20 years ago now. Uh, yeah, so I, like my certification's gone all the way through. They started back over at Red Hat Enterprise Linux version 1, and they've gone all the way back through to just releasing version 8 now. So yeah, you uh, you wouldn't want me working on a system because uh, I'm like, I, I know a little bit about this stuff. Uh, so like now it uses system D instead of uh, the init system for starting up all the processes and managing all the processes on a, on a computer. I'm not qualified to be a system D administrator. Um, if you've got a system running a 20-year-old version of Red Hat, uh, you can call me up and I can help you out with that one. But this is the importance of, yeah, this stuff changes all the time and, and big pieces of the technology can change. In addition to certifications, every single one of our students also has to complete an internship as well as part of the degree program as well. You're listening to CyberTalk Radio and I'm joined this week uh, by two members of the faculty at St. Philip's College and we're talking about cybersecurity education there. If you're... Uh, not going to be able to stick with us or you just turn the radio on right now, uh, you can listen to the full program uh, on our website at www.cybertalkradio.com on Tuesday, May 28th. So one thing we, we haven't talked about yet and we, uh, is when and how can you take classes? Like, do I, am I on campus all the time? Like, what are, what are all of my options for winter classes and where, where can I take them and how? Currently, the cybersecurity program is offered about 97% online. You can come to our face-to-face class, face-to-face classes during the day, morning, evening. And we also offer support for 24-hour lab, virtual lab access. So a class can really be done on anyone's schedule. And that's the flexibility we try and offer. Now, if the class becomes... Uh, too difficult where they want to speak to a professor, they're more than welcome and invited to come to our campus, either during the time that the class is being held or also um, during our office hours, you're scheduling appointments. Yeah. And then if we have students who are taking online classes, but they want to work with the equipment, we also have a lab that they can also use on their own time. Okay. Yeah. So this lab's available over the internet. I mean, it, it almost sounds like if, if you were in the industry working hands-on, you should just be enrolled at one class every semester at St. Phillips so you can have access to your your virtual lab 24-7. Yes. Yeah, it's much less expensive than building your own lab and uh, much less expensive, I think, than probably signing up for the uh, online lab services. And you're also going to get um, some instructor-led training. Uh, so... Uh, yeah, and with this, so if you're listening out there in the audience and you're thinking, do I have to, you don't have to quit your day job in order to go enroll here because you could take one class a semester. And each one of those, like if you're in a, an entry-level IT role right now, uh, you're doing some uh, basic technical support or a help desk role and you want to make that bridge to cybersecurity, uh, this is where you can do that one class at a time or four classes at a time. Or uh, you probably have some kids that are taking six classes, which is a lot. Well, once we're, while our students are working towards AS, for example, our um, certification cybersecurity, they can also obtain occupational skills awards, such as the CompTIA Linux Completion Preparation Certification or the CompTIA Security Plus Certification. So these are stepping stones helping them along the way yeah. as well. That's good stuff. Um, and so your, your online program, available to folks anywhere, not just, so if you're listening uh, out there on the internet right now, you may not be in the San Antonio or Bear County, Texas area, but these, the online program is available to folks anywhere in the world, really. So I'm sure you've got military members stationed abroad that are taking classes. We, we actually do. We experience a lot of the military that is currently, uh, currently active start taking courses here at our St. Phillips campus, but because of their deployments, have to be moved off somewhere either nationally or internationally, and we still maintain uh, 
communication with them. Yeah. And and that online program is uh, done pretty well in the national rankings. We were t- chatting a little bit about that off the air, too. So I'm going to give you a chance to pat yourselves on the back here and then put a little plug in for the campus. Current, currently, our online program for cybersecurity is ranked number eight in the nation. Yeah. So that's uh, number eight, E-I-G-H-T. And there's... <laughs> Um, I don't want to know how many colleges in the U.S. There's a Several, lot. Yes. yes. And uh, so this is eight. I mean, there's even, I think, over 40 to 50 um, NSA and DHS certified centers of uh, excellence in cyber defense at this point, somewhere in that range. So even if you were to think there were only 50 of these programs, the top 10 ranking is still amazing. But there's many more schools out there trying to teach cybersecurity right now. For students, if if they're thinking about this stuff and they go, you know what, like I just wasn't any good at math in high school. I wasn't any good at, at this computer stuff. Like I'm, I have a hard time learning these things. Uh, help me here. Like uh, what does the successful student coming in look like? And, and for those folks that don't have the confidence to start in a path, it, what um, ways can they kind of dip their toe in the water to see if this really can be something that they can do. Well, the introduction to networking course or the introduction to cybersecurity course, those two courses, we also provide, since we have an online platform that we use in addition to our in-class or hybrid or online classes, the students also have access to videos um, and then and trainers. And so the students are able to take the content that they're learning at their own pace. At the same time, we offer plenty of tutoring opportunities. So students who might struggle with math, they're quickly learning that they can still get that content and then get that emphasis on maybe that shortcutting mean they had. In addition, those who are obtaining the AS degree, they also have to take at least one math class throughout their degree. So they're also able to balance the two. Yeah. Uh, and along with that, based on our national de- de- uh, uh, demographic area that we currently have and our current age group that we support, which is roughly around the age of 24, 24 years old, we, we see a lot of students that are coming back with a deficiency in math, reading, and writing. And, and those should not be barriers to pursue your education because St. Phillips College does have a slew of programs that allows them to get to the level that they need to be without having to prevent them from taking these courses. So if you need additional help in math, reading, and writing, the resources at St. Phillips College whether it's a bridging program with your course, whether it's a, a writing center, a math lab that you have to go to, those resources are available for you. Yeah, so it, we're, we're working through checking every excuse. Anyone out there in the listening audience, if you're like, you know, like I want to do this, but I just can't because of X, Y, and Z. If, if the, you still have an excuse in your head that we didn't cover during this program today, reach out to us um, on Twitter or Facebook, and if, if you aren't able to even get on Twitter and Facebook, if you're like, this is too hard for me, um, it, email us, show at cybertalkradio.com. Uh, you can email us there as well. Let us know like what the challenge is that's stopping you from getting involved in cybersecurity, getting an education there. Uh, we'll work to get a guest on the program to, to help uh, work through that. But, I mean, this is something that uh, if you heard the start uh, of our conversation today, everyone's going to need to have cybersecurity awareness. Um, this is the the protection of data is not something that is just for some cybersecurity team off in the corner of a big company anymore. Everyone in every business is going digital right now. Even if you you get through as you were talking a little bit, like St. Phillips has got a culinary program, an automotive program. I mean, cars at this point are a bunch of driving computers. And if you're going to be working on cars, you're going to have to be comfortable with technology. You're going to have to learn some 
cyber forensics and cyber investigative stuff because the the hackers are coming after our automobiles next. Um, yeah, and as you get into the, the the culinary world, I mean, hackers like to find places where they can steal money from people. And every restaurant's taking credit cards these days. Every restaurant has computer based inventory tracking systems and all sorts of things. So. Everywhere you are, regardless of industry, you're going to have technology involved. And if bad people can find a way to steal money from that business, uh, they're going to do that. And they're going to go after the businesses that are least likely to have people trained. So the broader we can make cybersecurity awareness and the cyber education, uh, the harder it's going to be for people with low ethics or no ethics out there to uh, make a living as a criminal. So one one last topic here as we close the, uh, the program out. Uh, and if you uh, just turned your radio on right now, we're talking cybersecurity uh, education uh, with a couple of professors from St. Philip's College. And so, Caroline, you were mentioning that there's a programs to uh, help boost the gender diversity of your enrollment. You were saying that kind of maybe one out of four, one out of five students is female, um, which is, by the way, that's actually really good. Um, if you look at that compared to a lot of programs out there, and it's actually still terrible at the same time. So what, what things are you working on to help balance that out? So at St. Phillips, what we typically do is we our students who are involved in Cyber Tigers or taking our classes, cybersecurity classes, um, do that community awareness piece and community involvement piece. These We have females that go in and we participate in women breaking through women not traditional occupation conferences. And we have student guest speakers talking to K-12 students. In addition, in the summer, we provide a program such as Ms. Cypher, where we partnered up with the Center of Excellence for Mathematics to, to show women that they can code and they can program and they can secure a system and they can problem solve. People don't think of women that sense sometimes in this field in IT. Which is but ridiculous. girls provide a different way of thinking. They are very good problem solvers. And so we want to let our students while they're in high school and middle school know that and get them interested in, in cybersecurity. Yeah, and if you've got a daughter out there in middle school that's interested in math and science, do not let her lose that. That's where the, the big drop-off is at middle school. So if the uh, get her uh, onto a Cyber Patriot team, get her onto a Math Olympics team or something else. Don't let her lose that as she transitions into high school because uh, that's where we, we see the big drop off there. So um, I appreciate you both getting out in the community and you're both walking examples of the fact that, that females can be very successful in cybersecurity, even to the point where they're at college teaching it to others. So uh, thank you both very much for joining us uh, on CyberTalk Radio this week and uh, for doing all the work you do out there to uh, help us build the next generation of a cybersecurity workforce. Thank you. Thank you.